Can Francisco Alvarez pitch too, Figgy? My goodness, the Mets bullpen implodes, the starting pitching sucked, and they lose two out of three of the Rockies, led by Steven Nagasak. The Mets bullpen is in shambles, and it's another series loss that makes it a two and four West Coast trip. Yeah, with all the heroics that we've seen lately and the offense starting to turn it around a little bit, it's a disappointment that it's the pitching staff that can't hold these leads. The bullpen was a problem before they got to Colorado. The bullpen is still a problem after leaving Colorado. So hopefully they can make some adjustments here in the next homestand. Send help, Billy Epler. Get us some arms. Bring Figgy up from out of retirement. We need help. Well, the Mets will play the Phillies for the first time this week. We'll react to that series loss. We'll talk about Francisco Alvarez being a red hot and a generational catcher now for the Mets. And how can they address these bullpen problems? What can they do? What are the two roster moves that we predict will happen Tuesday? You're going to have to listen to find out. Plus a cheating scandal in Colorado that involved Nelson Figueroa when he played. Oh. <laughs> That's quite Involve the label. My team, not uh, of the team. So you're going to want to stay tuned to hear about that. It's all coming up next on a happy Memorial Day edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside Nelson Figueroa, who you hear the advertisement for, where Figgy, uh, you know, Gary Cohen, who will enter the Mets Hall of Fame on Saturday at City Field, said uh, Emmy Award winning analyst Nelson Figueroa with Mark Malusis. And that led to them talking about Keith Emmys. And apparently he hadn't got one in a while. Well, so he was, beat me. He beat me out for one. That's what happened. Oh, did he? Okay. There was like a long pause. I don't know if they were thinking about it and what happened, but um, there's been a lot of pauses watching the Mets bullpen this weekend too. This is a catastrophe. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Hope you all are having a uh, nice barbecues today and Monday. If, if you're listening to this and having a few be- beers and wiping your Mets sorrows away, luckily the Mets off today, Monday Memorial Day. So Thank you to all those who have served for our country. And uh, you're a rockin' the, the Memorial Day themed hat, I believe. That was the one they wore last year. It's criminal that there's no baseball Memorial Day for the Mets. But we are glad because it saves our mental health, Figgy. The Mets lose two out of three. They go two and four this week. 
against two bad teams. The Colorado mile high air did not help the Mets pitching. It helped the bats. You know, they scored enough. They score seven on Saturday. They score 10 on Sunday. And normally that's enough. It wasn't. It wasn't because you put Steven Nagasuk into the game. And I don't know why Buck Showalter has trust in this guy. He's not good. You look at the, his appearances over the course of the season, and there's a reason why, you know, Nagasuk, or as Frank the Tank will say, no good suck, is his name. Uh, his ERA is now 6.33. He should not be trusted in big spots. He implodes and gives up five runs on Sunday, and that was the game, Figgy. You know, every time the Mets come back, they get it going. They rally. He is there to blow it. They get Francisco Alvarez swinging homers left and right, five in his last eight games. But the bullpen, any sign of resiliency this team has, the bullpen wipes it away. Another frustrating series loss in Colorado. Yeah, but we've known this for quite some time, right? The bullpen is going to be the weakness uh, for this Mets team when you don't have your shutdown closer. And, you know, you're counting on uh, Robertson to be uh, perfect. That's We notice he's not perfect now. You know, he has been giving up runs as well. Adovino has had some bad moments, but it, it really – these other guys, I told you when we started seeing them, they were doing well when it wasn't big situations, right? When the team takes the lead, you need a shutdown inning. And to go out there and give up a six-piece right after you just took the lead, that's inexcusable. You've got to find a way to be more competitive than that, um, move the ball around, do something a little bit different. Colorado is not the place that you want to say, ah, you know what, I can get more of the plate. No, you got to try and... You use pitches that can cross the zone, up in the zone. You have to change eye levels. There's a lot of things you have to do to have success in Colorado um, because every mistake has a potential of leaving the ballpark. Um, he saw that the hard way, two of them in that one inning. And that's well, something that it can't continue to keep happening. Every time he goes out there, you don't know which guy you're going to get. He's gotten some trust from Buck because, frankly, who else – is he going to do can't keep using the same guys over and over again you know brigham i said the same thing about brigham and you know you can see the same kind of things for him where it's starting to wear on them this bullpen's already looking extremely tired and we're not even done with may um that's really uh the biggest issue that we've had with this mets team and for all the gruff that we gave about the offense this offense continues to scratch and claw and fight back in these games and get put you in a position even to win games, but the bullpen has to be better all the way around. You can't lose a game where Tommy Pham has three hits, four RBIs, and two stolen bases to save his spot on the roster. You can't do it, and that's what happened. And Nagasuk sucked, but also Tyler McGill sucked. Any other occupation, you're fired. He's given up runs in eight of 11 appearances. Why does Buck keep going? Him? Yes, I get it. The rest of the bullpen isn't great, but he shouldn't be on the roster. And maybe that's a Billy Upper problem. This bullpen is a Billy Upper problem. It's something I tweeted today. You see how much this team misses Trevor Williams. And I get the argument. Trevor Williams wanted to be a starter. Seth Lugo wanted to be a starter. They left to be a starter. I 100% get that. But something to me tells me if the Mets were to pay both those guys, to be relievers and maybe give them more money than they got, and you use Uncle Stevie's multi-millions and multi-billions, maybe they come back. I can't guarantee it. Maybe they wanted to start, but maybe if you had offered $6 million, you know, to Trevor Williams, it would have been an overpay maybe. But look, he's been solid, and that's a guy who was the perfect bridge guy, Figgy, a role that you had in your career. A starter implodes. Verlander sucked. 
and you put in a Trevor Williams and he would give you three innings and keep the game either tight or keep it from becoming more of a blowout. And that's kind of what the Mets needed. You know, they were able to score the runs. The bullpen just imploded. And, you know, Dominic Leone was solid over the weekend. He was good. But then Brigham was bad. So it's like you get a good thing from him. You get a good spot from Hunter, but you get bad from Nagasak and McGill. Let's talk about this, the starting pitching. Tyler McGill is going to likely be the guy until Jose Quintana is ready, which might not be for another month. And that's going to be a problem here. You know, four earned, but he gives up six runs. Same thing last start. Four earned, six runs. What happened to Tyler McGill? Was it the Colorado Air and, you know, can you survive with him as the fifth starter until Quintana comes back? Well, it's not just been the Colorado thing. The start right before that as well, there's a ton of hits that are happening against him. He's not having that wipeout, strikeout type stuff that we're used to seeing from him, like the high velocity up in the zone and moving the ball around. He's leaving too many pitches to be hittable, and they're getting hit hard. I mean, this isn't just, you know, talking about bloopers. You know, they're making errors where he's got some unearned runs on his tab, but he's got to find a way with two outs. This all happened with two outs today that's the thing that drives you crazy that's the thing that you're like man if a guy miss hits the ball and that's what i'm talking about you have to miss hit the ball just a little bit and it's an out they were not miss hitting any of those balls he walked uh bryant that was a huge walk right there where those guys and the tovars you saw tovar got handled all weekend with throwing him breaking balls out of the strike zone he's swinging at everything and they continue to make mistakes over the middle of the plate to him. He crushed another one today, you know, off the wall, another triple. That team, I said, was doing WPIX, and I said that this team doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but they have a lot of doubles, a lot of triples because of the way that the ballpark plays. And they're not hitting a ton of home runs, but they're hitting balls in the gaps. They're hitting balls, in, you know, down the line, and they're legging it out. So they lead. And so many triples that Pete Alonso even Pete Alonso even hit a triple. How about that? You looked up, and Pete was already at third base. Didn't that surprise you? Like, holy cow, when, when did Pete get that fast? I was like, well, who are they trying to throw out at third? I'm like, my, Pete is already there. That's incredible. So, yeah, that ballpark is built. It's so ex- it's so expansive in the outfield that the gaps are huge. So you have to overshift. So that what's what happened with Marte. Marte couldn't get to that ball. Yeah, and let's that- talk about that for a second, because that was the talk of Twitter today. People saying, Nimmo there, that doesn't happen. That changes the whole game. There's two arguments here. One, that's it's still a tough play no matter who's in center. He had to go for a long run. But the other argument is, One, you have an off day Monday. Why is Marte starting in center field for the first time in two years in arguably the toughest ballpark to play center field? Because like you say, the gaps going gap to gap. Why is that happening when you have an off day tomorrow? Why not do that either at City Field this week or choose another day when there's an off day? I get you get the two days in a row now for Nimmo. But this seemed like the wrong time to not have your best defensive center fielder. I remember last year we argued, we were like, oh, do we, you know, I like Martin center field. Was this the right move? It ended up being the right decision to move him right. What do you think of that? Do you think Nimmo, that was the wrong move by Buck or just a tough play for Marte there? Yeah, I mean, just a tough play for Marte. You know, it's hard to second guess Buck because, again, this team is only a half game out of the wild card with all the disastrous things that we've said, right? You're ready to burn it down every other week with this team. They they give you a little bit of joy and then they bring you right back crashing down to earth. And I, I think you, you have to realize with all that being said, you're a half game out. You know the deficiencies of this team. You have to get guys some rest. Guys are not going to play 160 of 160. 62 like they normally did um, you know back in my day so these things are scheduled in advance as well like I'm telling you that it's not like oh my god he had four hits yesterday so let's rest him 
No, it's already booked for him to have that rest. And usually some guys can try and fight it and argue it, but they don't want to argue against the manager and what the plan is because they understand that somebody's putting this plan together. Okay, you're going to be out of the lineup for the next game, you know, and you would hope that the team can survive without you being in the lineup. There's only one person, one game. But it seems like it's such a house of cards, right? And that you have that nimbo that you're counting on to be at the top of the lineup, to get on base, to drive in runs, and play really solid defense as he has done all year long. You said it best. Still a very difficult play. Doesn't mean that he comes up with it. But there's always, you know, hindsight. You can second guess it if you want. I still think that pitches have to be made. Uh, those rallies cannot be six runs in an inning. It's just, it's unthinkable to give up that many hits and runs in just one single inning. And it happened back to back nights. And Um, it wasn't like that ball was like, you know, the easiest play. I thought like, I I see the side of, yes, if Nimmo's in there, he a hundred percent catches that, but I didn't get that mad because it wasn't like it was like the Tommy fam drop fly ball in Chicago. It wasn't like that kind of, drop but guess what it cost them three it was three runs it cleared the bases it changed the game and the Mets end up losing by one run so mate that is the play but that's what happens when your starter is just that ineffective and giving up 10 hits you can't give up like you said all these hits but it was the latter effect they hit the next reliever hit the next reliever and you're seeing you know and Billy Epler deserves a lot of criticism here you know I know that Edwin Diaz injury sucked you went out and got Robertson and you went at rally, but what else did you do? You put a ton of faith in Drew Smith, who gives up, of course, a homer. And no matter what Drew Smith's stats are, I just can't trust him. You know me. I've said this for like three, four years now. That Yeah, it's nice. He has a 1.88, but look inside the numbers. Look at when he does it. And every time that they put him in big situations, he doesn't come through. And it's frustrating because he has plus stuff. And it's after he gives up the bomb, after he gives up the lead, that all of a sudden, oh, look at that. I struck out the side and I'm unhittable. I, I He's got to have that like mentality of, uh, I, I'm I'm getting these three guys one two three no chance they have to fear me kind of thing and he doesn't do that. Buck put him in that class of Adovino and Robertson and that's what's concerning but about the trying roster. to do that. But you have to do that with the players. You have to mm-hmm. pump them up in that way and make him think. Oh wow, he considers me that level. And I, I get that at that level. But that's I bad. At that level, like that's bad. Backing it up. It, it's just bad that this team puts him in that class because he's not, and that's why. You know, I, and I continue to say every week the middle really sucked, but they, you know, they made some poor moves that Williams letting go, Lugo letting go. And then, you know, a minor move that I read today as you catch up on guys, you know, to make room for Tommy Pham, they got rid of Taylor Saucedo, Saucedo, I don't know how to pronounce it, lefty. He has a 0.82 ERA in 11 innings for the Mariners this year. So that's another potential reliever that you let go that's gone. Bryce Montes de Oca, who, you know, throws 100, you're expecting him to be big out for the year. So I get that they were hit with some injuries, but this bullpen can't survive like this. And there's not going to be trades to be made for a while, Figgy. And you're going to have to find guys like Leon on the scrap heap. And I just don't know who else is out there. Cause when I look at Syracuse, the only guys are see, I see Walker who was just up and they brought back down muck and Hearn, who was here and didn't look great. And guys like Yacobonis and Uceda who got hurt, who was on this team. There aren't many guys in AAA doing much. Dennis Santana, who we saw here, wasn't good. They don't have much, in the farm system, Nathan Lavender. I love a good Lavender set. La- Lavender is the one that, that that is really tricking all of baseball. He's like a 91, 92-mile-an-hour fastball, and he just struck out two of the biggest prospects on, like, you know, all fastballs. Just Give him a call-up. 
So and they and they will do that eventually because the the kid er, uh, has earned it, and you're going to see one of these other guys go down or go on the IL, whatever it may be. But I think what happened was that the original plan was Scherz is going to give you seven, and then you're only going to have to use one of these two relievers that you're counting on, or one of them to finish out the game. Verlander is going to give you seven, and you only use one reliever with him. So that really rests the bullpen those two starts, and then you get it to the other guys, and hopefully, you know, they set the tone that six is what they want as acceptable. You're looking at this starting rotation. I want to say that they're averaging like four and a third innings pitch like they're not even averaging five innings a game right now the bullpen is really taxed already and it's not going to get any better anytime soon and if you're looking for help then you're looking on the scrap heap then you're not going to find you hope to find a gem you hope to find somebody who you know wants to relocate somewhere and, and get another chance but i don't think that there's there, there's anything that they can do. Yes, the injuries hit them hard, but uh, the the disappointing performances that, you know, you shouldn't have Verlander through his last three starts having a six and a half ERA, um, but he wants to eat up innings, help you if he's giving up runs while eating up those innings. Um, Let's talk about him. What did you see Saturday? Six runs, he got rocked, the Mets came back again, bullpen implodes. What went wrong with Verlander? Yeah, you know what? I think just, you know, missing location and these guys, these Rockies are aggressive. They're very aggressive when they're swinging. It was funny because i was watching him watching scherzer when scherzer was pitching he had like the little sheet in his hand and he's looking over the hitters and he's formulating his game plan and you're watching scherzer pitch and you know what his bread and butter is right he's, he's got the high fast balls that he throws mixed in with the change up and then he count and then the wipeout slider which is a little bit slower than most like he's okay with throwing a slider in the mid 80s and not 92 miles an hour so for verlander i kind of thought he would be formulating kind of the same game plan to execute and, and attack hitters weaknesses and he did that you know the first inning and then all of a sudden it was only the third inning when all of a sudden the wheels fell off uh, he got hit with another comebacker um it's like the sixth or seventh time he's been hit in, in the lower extremities on the year it, it really just kind of rattled him a little bit and he couldn't get back on track he's going to be better. I have no doubt in that. I've seen him adjust his pitches um, from start to start where you're going to see the usage of curveballs or sliders. One of them is going to have you know a higher usage percentage. Uh, and it just comes down to executing and locating with his fastball. But if he's constantly behind in the count and you're in a place like you know, Colorado, like I said, the biggest thing is home runs are home runs. They're, they're, bad pitches leave the ballpark, but it's the balls that go gap to gap when you're shifting over and you have to execute pitches. So if you have everybody shifting towards left field and you throw a guy a pitch who's a righty on the outside part of the plane, he pokes it to right. They're not defending that. So he did a great job when he came back last year with the uh, Astros of pitching to the game plan, pitching to the defense. And they still had the shift last year, right? So you had an extra guy on that side of the field. Well, he didn't miss his locations a lot last year. And it was something that we looked at on MLB Network. We went into and they were like, you know, he's not getting the uh, swings and misses that he normally gets with his stuff. What is it about him? I said, he's a veteran guy who realizes he doesn't have to go for the punch outs. If he can get a two pitch out, that's better than a three pitch strikeout because it saves him a pitch and he can continue going deeper into games. And that's what he did really well that Cy Young year. Right now, I think he has to get back to that. He just seems to me like he's trying to overdo it to get more swings and misses and to try and uh, help himself out rather than you know relying on this defense and executing pitches. And it's frustrating because Friday you get Scherzer, you know, the most strikeouts he had all year in eight, giving up a run. He was great. And then Saturday you get followed up Verland implosion, McGill implosion. And now you get the Phillies coming to town who are wildly inconsistent as well. I mean, this division is inconsistent. The Mets are now 
in third place. They are five and a half back. The Marlins in second. So the Mets are half game out of the third wild card spot. And you're in a tough boat here because the schedule, like we said, only will get tougher. Listen, the Phillies are one of those teams floating around 500, around three games under right now. And then you got the Blue Jays coming to town. And the road will get difficult, Figgy, for the Mets, who have that gauntlet in June. Three Phillies, three Blue Jays, three against the first-place Braves, three against the Pirates, two Yankees, three Cardinals, three Astros, three Phillies, four Brewers, and then heading into July, three Giants. So it is difficult. And then Diamondbacks, Padres, and uh, then the Dodgers. So it's just nonstop good teams. Like, Diamondbacks have been good. Brewers are good. Phillies are have a good offense. The pitching's not great. Like just nonstop good teams. And maybe they'll play up to that level of competition, but they won't with this bullpen. And something's got to change. We'll see what happens this week. Does Mauricio get a call up? Do like we say, does McFarlane get the call up? Not that that makes the world. Does Walker come back and they'll face Taiwan Walker, by the way, on Thursday this week, uh, Thursday afternoon. So Something's got to give. I just don't know what you could do. I just don't know, Figgy. You you said it great. Like Tommy Pham hit today, like he was hitting for his job, and he he is right. But the idea I thought he was getting cut Monday. If he didn't have a big day, I really thought Mauricio was coming up for Tuesday's game. The well, the idea is I think Mauricio is still coming up. But what do you have to do if you're running from a bear? You don't have to beat the bear. You have to beat the guy next to you, right? That's what he did with uh, Vogelback. Vogelback is going to be the guy. I was going to say, is the bear Vogelback? He is a big fella. He's the the bear in this case. The bear and the guy you have to beat of both Vogelback. So uh, I think Tommy Pham did that today because, uh, again, Mauricio is a left-handed hitter, can play multiple infield positions, also can steal you a bag. He's athletic. He I think he has nine or ten stolen bases down in the minor leagues. So you need that guy to be able to come off the bench and pinch run so you're not counting on Escobar at 35, 36 years young to steal you bags in big games and big moments. So I think the writing's on the wall for Vogelback. Um, they, they, they didn't pay much for him, so they gave him every opportunity to lose this job, and he, I feel he has done it. I think every time he comes up now, it's just, you know, it's a non-competitive at-bat uh, right in the middle of a lineup that, you know, really needs that somebody in the middle to to get it to the next guy, get it to the uh, a guy who can, you know, come through with a big hit. And Francisco Alvarez's jump from the nine spot to the two hole is something that, you know, is writing on the wall. This is what finally, right? Finally, I, yeah, we've been well, waiting for him to go up to seven. I don't think he'll stay at two. McNeil was off Sunday, but he's got to at least go to six or seven. He's just tearing the cover off the ball. Yeah, he's he's been really impressive in the fact that we said in the beginning of the season, he just looked like he still was jittery. He was overmatched. He was jumping at pitches and and didn't seem like he even had a plan or an approach. That's something that A-ball kids do. And that's why they're so dangerous because you never know what this kid is thinking with Alvarez now it looks like he goes up there with a plan and uh his and he's clutch got, clutch hits clutch his got, yeah his swings has got have gotten better and better they're in big moments uh you know to tie games or or to, to you know get the lead uh that's that's a huge factor and I think he's finally becoming that guy that Buck wasn't ready and I love this about Buck Buck wasn't ready to just hand over the mantle to him and said he wasn't ready. He hasn't proven anything. I know you guys think he's a, a talented prospect and, you know, number one, one of the number one prospects in all of baseball, but he hasn't done anything to earn the right to have that playing time. And it happened because of injury, right? Nito gets hurt and you have to put uh, Alvarez out there and he's learning on the fly, but everybody seems like they're much more comfortable with Alvarez behind the dish and his batting is is improved tremendously in the month of may it makes me even more excited about him for the month of Zo- month of june 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there are positive things. We're not saying the sky is falling yet because we're seeing things like that, you know, from a generational catcher who's looking like the best hitting catcher in the league. People are tweeting that. It's not even like that falls. The way he is playing, five homers, eight games, confidence, clutch hits, swagger. I mean, every time he homers, he's jumping at first. He throws the bat. And you can't be mad at it the way he is playing right now. And, you know, this week, and it's Lavender is the one I was talking about, will be the replacement. And Nate Lavender, who's been great, and a second lefty reliever that the Mets are so badly craving behind. Rarely, maybe he's the guy. But Nagasuk's got to get DFA'd before Tuesday. So maybe, you know, this is the, the two minor moves, and we see this week. You call up Nate Lavender, you get rid of Nagasuk. You call up Mauricio. And then when Narvaez, who has begun rehab, he you would think he replaces Nita. That brings an interesting situation of can the Mets have Narvaez catch some games with Alvarez being your DH? I don't think anyone will lose sleep about that. The only problem is do you want two catchers in the game, not having another one on the bench? Maybe they keep three. I don't think I really don't think it's worth keeping Nito, to be honest, if you have both those guys. But that is another option you have if you do decide to cut Vogelback, which I think needs to come. At least Bam gives you that outfielder and an occasional pinch runner. Vogelback doesn't even get like Vogelback doesn't even ever play first. He's just a DH. So you, he is legit a waste of a roster spot if he's not going to hit for power, which he has not done. So I think those are the moves you would hope going into the six game homestand that happened. Lavender up, Nagasak gone, uh, Vogelback gone, and Mauricio up. You know, Jolly Olive on the last episode with me brought up the good point of. You know, maybe they're just keeping him in AAA to keep his trade value at an all-time high, Figgy. Maybe they're worried he's going to come up here and not be good. His value goes down. And then what what reliever or power bat will you go out and get if his value plummets because he goes, you know, 0 for 17 to start his big league career? Well, you you know, I I think in this day and age, um, you look past that initial uh, test, right? You you have to. You, You look at the body of work of what he's done in his career. You look at the improvements that he's made along the way, his jump. From, you know, the double A player to the triple A player that he is now, including the winter ball where he was MVP for with Lisey in the Dominican Winter League. You know, this kid looks like he's finally turned the corner. He was a scrawny little kid when he first came up and uh, Rosario was the the starting shortstop for the Mets. And it was like, we, there's three other guys. There's Jimenez, there's Mauricio, there's uh, and there was another guy. I can't remember if they traded him or not, but there was these two guys that they're also really good. And then they went out and get Lindor and you're like, well, where does that, where does that fit now? Where, where's everybody go? So Mauricio has been playing second base. It hasn't gone as planned. He's made a ton of errors at second base already in 24. I think it's 24 games that he's played second. He's made like six or seven errors. So it hasn't gone as smoothly as one would hope. But at the same time, it's the offensive side of the ball. It's using him as a left-handed DH um, and and finding ways to make this whole thing work. That three-headed catcher thing is going to be a problem because you're paying uh, Nevaez, uh for two years. Um, or, well, one in a, uh, a mutual or player, I think it's a player option even, but it's a two-year deal that he got. Uh, Nito, same thing. You paid him to stay around. So you can't just pay guys to just sit around and not be activated or not be playing. So there's no way that they could send down Alvarez. There's no way he's played his way into this thing uh, full time. But, you know, there's going to have to be something that gets done. So whether Nito gets included in the trade package, because the one person that you talked about, whose trade value has gone down because he's being exposed at the big league level, Mark Vientos. 
He had 13 home runs when he came up with 35 RBIs or whatever it was. He does not look like that hitter in the big leagues. He's hit some good singles, <laughs> but we've seen the one home run in his very first game. And, you know, that gave you, okay, maybe this guy has finally figured it out. Not even comparable, but Aaron Judge's first year in the big leagues batted like 164 or something like that. And would you say, oh, my God, this guy stinks. He's six foot seven and with this huge swing. And he worked in the offseason and got better. And then he's been Aaron Judge ever since. So for Vientos, you thought that he kind of figured that out. But we still haven't seen that translate to big league at bat. So yeah, he had a couple at Saturday, but he needs to be consistent, too. You got to keep putting him out there. He'll get his third straight game on Tuesday. He's got to get like if Vogelback's not going to give you hits. Why not have Vientos not give you hits so you could see something out of him? So three straight starts is, you know, you know, he played third Sunday, but he'll probably be DH on Tuesday against Suarez against the Phillies at City Field. He needs that consistency like Alvarez has gotten to develop that bat. You're not wrong. He's He sucked, but I think some consistency here will help him improve. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. He's got to get over that hump of, uh, again, Alvarez looked really jumpy in the beginning of the season. We kept saying it, man, every time this guy takes a swing, it's like he's he's guessing. He doesn't know what's coming. It'll slow down for Vientos because right now it looks like it's slowed down big time for Alvarez. He's seeing balls a, a lot better. He's having better swings, better approach. Um, and, and every player goes through this. So I hope it does. But again, so now if you're having to package something where these three catchers are going to be uh, an issue, you're have to uh catcher you got uh, a catcher you got vientos uh and you're looking for something in return in the middle relief you know back end uh reliever type area that's going to help complete your team as of right now because you can't depend on only the three guys you know really uh Adovino and robertson to get the job done every time and the issue is with the parity in the national league everybody is in it right now mm-hmm. like right legit now. everyone including the Washington Nationals who are last place, who including the Cubs who are in last place, who are just five and a half out of first in last place, including the Rockies who just beat the Mets, who are 24 and 30 and just a couple games out of the wild card. So because everyone's in it, no one's looking really to trade right now. That hurts the Mets. And I don't know. I mean, there's nothing you could do about, you know, teams, <laughs> the parity being good. There's no A's in the National League. There's no Royals in the National League. The A's who are 10 and 45, the Royals who are 16 and 38. Can you make a trade with one of those guys? I just don't know if they have anyone good that you would want. Well, I, I tell you right now, the way that Chapman has been throwing the ball the first two months of the season, Chapman would be a huge get. Uh, left, left-hander. left Do you want Chapman and the distraction that he causes and the off-the-field stuff? Do you want have you heard anything? Have you heard anything about Chapman since he's been in Kansas City? No, because it's Kansas City, right? All exactly. You come back to oh. New York. But he's been what here happens? in New York. He's been here in New York, and everybody talked about all that before. So I'm not worried about him. I, I know he can... I know he can pitch in New York. I know he can handle the media in New York. And it's it's something that he's done his whole career. So I wouldn't mind it at all. But it, that's a huge ace that is, uh, you know, the wild card that they're waving around for everybody to see who's going to be the highest bidder. You, like you just said, if you go through the teams that are in the wild card race right now, and I know we're a long way away from it being important numbers, but you got Mets in Pittsburgh, a half game out, Philadelphia, one and a half, Cincinnati, three, San Diego, three, as bad as they're playing, San Diego at three games out, Colorado at three and a half, St. Louis at four, as bad as they're playing. Uh, the, the Nationals are at four and the Chicago Cubs are at four and a half out. Those All those teams are still in the hunt. Anything can happen. We talked about, uh, off, you know, before we got on, on camera, you know, we, we were talking with hearts about the run differentials, right? And all those teams that I just mentioned, there's only three to have 
positive run differentials, meaning that their team scores more runs than they let up. Pittsburgh Pirates at a plus 10, the St. Louis Cardinals at a plus 13, and the Chicago Clubs at a plus 4. Everybody else is negative. And when you talk about negative, uh, Oakland A's, to give you some reference, are at minus 199. Okay, they gave up 200 more runs than they've scored. That tells you how bad they are. So you would think I was on the roster for the, for the Mets. They're at minus 13. So it's not as bad as it seems, but it's been in bunches, right? These runs. If you look at even the games that they had in Colorado, it's been six run innings, not 10 runs throughout the game. You know what I mean? Like that's that's something to me that, yeah, I I, I don't discredit it because they're runs that scored, but it's like, okay, we scored this many in the third inning, and then what? We got shut out for the next six. That's the kind of thing that I, I would like to see more of them stretching out these innings and taking these leads and saying, let's build on these, and let's find a way to just score a run an inning after you score six. And then all of a sudden you're up. You know, you got 12 runs in the game because you're scoring one run an inning. Play the game that way instead of looking for that big outburst in another inning somewhere in the game because that usually doesn't happen, especially with the Mets. The Mets head into Memorial Day at 500 at 27 and 27. A rough week on the road. They return home. Have a nice homestand here. Have a nice four and two homestand. And we'll see when we head to when I head to the ballpark Tuesday. I'd love to see Mauricio on the roster. I'd like to see Nagasuk having IHOP in Syracuse. Hopefully, you know, uh, another nugget I had to throw in the show is that Austin Wins walk up song is actually Dancing Queen, which. You know, it was is tremendous. You know, I, I, I love one on every team. I think one, there's one guy on every team that has Dancing Queen. Ryan McMahon, new Met killer, is just such like a a Rockies player. Like he, like you hear Ryan McMahon, and my first guess would be like he's on the Rockies, right? Like he just sounds like a guy on the Colorado Rockies. But just new Met killers develop out of nowhere every week, and it frustrates the hell out of me. Uh, a huge. I'm I'm glad you brought this up because it drove me nuts. Because every time you do a scouting report and you go into the meetings before you know the series, you know CJ Cron was out. He was injured, and and that was their big one of their big bats in the middle of that lineup. So the guy that can't beat you. This is literally how we would talk every series. The guy that can't beat us is this guy. Is this guy? And you look at that lineup, and when you look at the lineup, is one guy. McMahon, don't let him beat you. And he didn't just beat you. He beat you senseless. He beat you over and over again. He continued to beat you well into his last at bat. This is the kind of thing that you can't have happen against a team like this where there's other guys who have big holes in their swings. They're swinging and missing. Their strikeout numbers are very high. Go attack those guys. Move on from McMahon. I'm not saying walk him. I'm saying pitchers, pitches at all times. Nasty stuff of breaking, make him chase. But you can't make mistakes over the middle of the plate like we saw today or that fastball down and away that he hit the two-run home run off Nagasak, uh, you know, opposite field. Even you're saying Nagasak now. You've adopted it. it. The writing's on the wall, man. I, I see it as I call it, and I think that's one of the things is that you have to be better at executing a game plan. When the Rockies are, uh, are your foe, McMahon is the only guy in that lineup that you had to worry about not letting beat you, and they let him beat him time and time again. McMahon was the man. Well, the Phillies come to City Field this weekend. It's the first Mets-Phillies matchup of the season. You know, pretty wild that this series, end of May, beginning of June, is the first time with this new scheduling. I don't know. Not a big fan of that. I think you got to play division teams more, and they're cutting it back. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be that old man on the lawn complaining about that that much, but a big week for the Mets. You know, you got to beat your division foes. So this is important. Tuesday, San- Suarez, Sanga, we think for now. Wednesday, Nola, Carrasco. 
and uh, Thursday will be a 1 p.m. game. I have a flight that night, so I'll hopefully get a, a quickie, quick episode in. Whoa, before, whoa. Yeah, a quick, a quick <laughs> quickster uh, before I head to uh, Charlotte for a Myrtle Beach wedding over the weekend. Oh, and then I'll be in Miami the weekend after. So uh, I'll, if I'm not baller, bro- dude. If I'm not broad, is, that private, is that a private jet? No, literally, it was a debating flying spirit. That's how unprivate it was. <laughs> that uh, I was advised never to do spirits, too small seats, you uh, might die, you might not make it to the wedding. And that that was a factor because what if it's canceled and I, I missed the wedding? And I'm like, I get to Myrtle Beach Sunday. It's like, yeah, we actually got married yesterday. You're a little bit late. <laughs> I would look like the worst friend ever. So uh, your PJ, when you say PJ, you don't mean private jet, it's a public jet. <laughs> literally wearing pajamas to the airport is the PJ. <laughs> Uh, but my goal this year is to be on a private jet at some point. Uh, it's funny today you mentioned that because I think I got butt dialed by my buddy who works for a private jet company. So maybe that was a sign. Like he's like, we're all, we're getting on the PJ. You want to get on with us, bro? I can't hear you. It's like the Backstreet Boys, the call, the song where the service is low. Oh God. Anyways, yeah, big series this week against the Phillies, and then the Blue Jays come to town and Gary Cohen Hall of Fame. Uh, week he'll be on the show we got to get him on at some point you know he's a busy man so it's tough to make it happen but we'll hopefully have gary that's exciting gary cohen howie rose going in together in the mets hall of fame along with al Leiter and howard johnson so good to you know friends of the program Leiter johnson rose not gary yet we hope to make him a friend of the program but we've had all those guys on and great to see them and i'm pissed i'm missing that i'm pissed i'm missing the pete alonzo neon sunglass giveaway on sunday it's a lot better than this stupid little thing that has scarred the mess i know i know you already i know you already talked to somebody there to, to grab you a pair uh i i will have to i will need to i haven't asked yet i haven't thought about it till i saw the commercial today where they're like me or gary said neon sun i'm like damn i need someone to get me those so and i i have i've been either busy or lazy i have not done the seed growing yet of the uh Dude, come guys. on you're pushing us back well here's the thing i get i realize i gotta get soil like i gotta go outside no and dig you dirt. don't, I don't have got, to get soil you need soil you need to see you need to plant dirt where am i gonna get dirt where am i just go on the street and just get a scooper you know what get dirt and then you're going like away this, this 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 uh lindor bobblehead's gonna die while you're gone nobody's taking care of it you're unbelievable yeah, exactly I, i'll wait i'm gonna wait till my roommate's back so he can help me <laughs> he literally did this setup behind me so Oh God, I need, I need uh to, I need help. Yeah, that's one of the things I need. Well, we will drop an episode likely after that Thursday, and uh, we've gone pretty long here, so we will close this episode of Amazing but True with a story, a figgy fable on a scandal in Colorado. You're gonna want to hear that next. Good things ahead. Good things ahead. Guys are competing their butt off. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of them. All right, we'll d- debut Figgy's Fables on Amazing But True, and you have pitched in Colorado as an opponent, and were you there for a potential scandal at Coors Field? Yeah, so in this day and age where scandals seem to be a plenty, you got, you know, I Spy Gate with Aaron Judge, you have the sticky stuff with Scherzer and Domingo Herman. So we were in Colorado, and Colorado is set up beautifully. If you look at the backdrop, it looks like you're in nature, right? There's They've got some rocks set up. They've got a little waterfall thing. And so we're sitting in the bullpen and we're hanging out. And we're like, this is kind of cool. Just the way they have it set up, the vibe, it's very tranquil. There's tranquility all around you. It's probably what it's like to be a, an outdoorsman here in Colorado. And so our bullpen uh, coach uh, is reaching into the ball bag where he pulls out a pair of binoculars. 
And he's just checking out the sites all around the stadium. And so he's looking around the stadium and he's like, oh, wow. He's like, these things work great. I can see all the way up there. I can see all the way there. And all of a sudden he was sitting and it, the bullpen goes into dead. It used to go into dead center field, like straight across from, you know, you could see straight into the catcher signs and he picks up the binoculars and he's looking straight into the catcher signs. And he's telling us fastball, curveball. He shook off slider. And we're like, oh man, that's crazy, dude. And all of a sudden the umpire whips around and starts pointing at him and running at us in the bullpen. And he just, you know, he's like, what, what, what? And they're telling him to put him away. So he puts him away. He nearly gets fined, suspended. They start writing about it in all the newspapers, how we were stealing signs with binoculars, but they forgot to mention that our team was pitching and he was just watching the catcher setting up because he was also the catching coach. And we're laughing because I'm like, this is like a big deal, like uh, with cheating and everything else. So what did they do? They made fun of him. And the guys in the bullpen, Brad Lidge and guys, they made cups with just ripped out the holes in the bottom. And they were wearing cups on their eyes like that for the rest of the game. So it was one of those situations where we're laughing, thinking is a joking matter. And it became a much bigger deal. And then they had to do an investigation. They realized that, oh, yeah, that's right. Their team was in the field. And maybe he was using the binoculars to, to look around the stadium more so than to look at the signs that were being stolen. So Colorado, beautiful place to play for three days. I would never want to pitch there all the time. Um, I had some success there, but at the same time, you're always one pitch away from a disaster. And that's Figgy's fable. And we are talking to Nelson Figueroa. And among other things, I do know about his uh, podcast, Amazing But True, uh, with Nelson and, uh, and company. And uh, the Mets, <laughs> with all the injuries. And company. Well, that closes episode 149 of Amazing But True, a Mets podcast from the New York Post. Ah, thank you, Jake, and to Andrew You're welcome. Hart for producing this show. Give us a like, follow, comment, push buttons, uh, subscribe. I think you memorized these lines by now. On season four of the program, I'm the one with the bad memory. Now you got a bad memory? What's going uh, on? I, I'm getting older. I'm getting older now. That is true. Your I, I figured, I figured ARP knew, card came in. That's right. People knew these things by now. No, that's next year. I can't wait for that. At Jake Brown Radio, at Figgy NY, at Amazing But True. YouTube. Uh, all that no shit. why are you gonna say oh, they know that already you know look for our channel on youtube well uh, someone tweeted i like this new video youtube concept i'm like we've been doing it like two years i don't know if it's like if it's <laughs> new at this point it was just behind but it's new yes, to them watch on youtube and maybe you'll see a video there of my breaking fighting video at outside of phillies how about that i saw that i've had two of the biggest videos on the planet and haven't received a penny for either I need to start selling them at TMZ. I got the Antonio Brown video that probably has 8 billion views. And I have the video of the two hooligan Yankee fans. So people want the background because a lot of people thought it just happened outside the stadium. It was two hours out after. It was outside Billy's. It was after the walk-off win. I don't know if one guy commented. I didn't see inside. I just saw them kind of start to go at it inside. Security kicked them out. Security, I heard the guy say, like, just let them go at it. So they were just going at it. 
couple girls got him. I don't know if he said something about the girl or what happened that started it. Guy flashes a badge. I think it was a cop that wasn't on, you know, off-duty cop. He's flashing a badge like, get off me. Like, I'm a cop. It was funny because it was hours after a walk-off. It was two fans. People were making fun of the kid-sized Yankee jersey, like the TJ Maxx with the name on the back because the Yankees don't have the name on the back. And it blew up and I didn't get a dollar. I, I got to start monetizing or do, or putting like a watermark of at Jake Brown Radio. That's all you it. need to do, bro. It's all over TMZ and everything else. It was funny. I saw it on Bleacher Report and then all of a sudden I read your stuff and you're like, that's my video. <laughs> like, it's mine. Yeah, you got nothing Ugh. for it, kid. I got I to start changing my game plan when I get that. As soon as I took it, I'm like, this is going to go viral. Um, <laughs> and it did. And I was the talk of WFAN the next day. Carton, you know, I texted Evan the details. Carton pretends like he doesn't know me when I've covered five of his charity events. I've interviewed him. He said my name because I did a podcast with uh, his mutual friend of ours, Constantine Maroulis from American Idol. So I tweet him. I'm like, bro, I've, I've met you five times. I sent him a picture and the video of him saying my name. <laughs> he comes back from the commercial. He says, I got to apologize to Jake Brown. I know Jake Brown. I've met him several times. I apologize. So thank you for the apology. But, well, we'll be back Thursday after this series with the Phillies. Just go sweep the Phillies. How about that? Stop winning one game. Stop winning two. Let's take out another broom for oh, you know, second, second straight time at home. For Nelson Figueroa, Andrew Hards, I'm Jake Brown. We'll talk to you Thursday night after the game before I hit the beach. And as we always do, even though the morale is low, the Mets are 500. Memorial Day, they're in the race. Let's turn it around. We'll close it out in three, two, one. Let's, Let's go, go Mets. Got your Happy wrong. Memorial Day, folks. A quickie, quick episode in. Whoa, whoa. A quick, <laughs> a quick stir.